Good morning. So my family and I have this little white dog at our house. Her name is Zoe. Uh, she's cute. Uh, she's loved by our family and all who interact with Zoe. Zoe has a problem. Zoe gets bladder stones. And what that means is Zoe has to have a special kind of food that you can't just run in food line and pick up. Zoe can't have treats. She can't have table food. Because what might happen is bladder stones come back and that's not a cheap surgery. And I don't know how many more $1,000 surgeries I'm willing to put up with, right? Don't judge me. I shouldn't have said that. I, don't, I, I love the dog, okay? Every time we're standing at the kitchen counter and we're messing with a cereal box or potato chips or just making lunch or dinner or something and she knows that crinkle means they, they're eating something and I want some of it. And she'll come over with her cute little face, big black eyes, and she just whines and stares at us. Give me some of that, Master, please. Could you possibly just give me a Cheerio? Could I please have one? And the answer is no, you can't. Because what Zoe doesn't understand is there is a connection between her desire that she has to eat whatever it is and the consequences of feeding that desire. And when it comes to sex in our culture, many people struggle with making the connection between fulfilling a God-given, beautiful desire that he put in every person, doing it the wrong way at the wrong time with the wrong person, and then having these consequences down the road that you never anticipated. We live in a culture that just looks at commitmentless sex like it's just a given. When God created sex to be a fulfilling, literally life giving thing that a man and a woman can enjoy in the context of marriage. So if you haven't figured out yet today, we're, we're PG-13. Because we're talking about wisdom and sex. Those two things can go together and often they don't. So if you have your child in here or if you're that age and there's some words you don't want to have to explain on the way home to your kids, it's time right now to go over and put them, you'd like you would get up now, right? But it's time, to go, it's time to go put them in the kids' area because you will have to explain a few things by the end. So I want to start with asking you some questions. Don't, don't raise your hand. Just think about this. If I were to say, raise your hand, you girls that want to be used by a guy for sex, you just want him to use you. That's all you want. You want, your, you want him to make you feel like that's all he's interested in. Who would say, oh yeah, me, that's what I want. Or guys, just flip it the other way around. Now, guys, you're a little bit different, I understand. And some of you might be going, well, tell me the context. You know, what does she look like? But the reality is, guys, you don't want to be used for that either. Or guys who deal with this more often than not, you really want to get your view of sex from a computer screen? Nobody would say, yeah, that's a great place to get it. Or nobody would say, I plan on, and I, I, I fully intend to betray my marriage vow to my husband or my wife. But that's where many people end up, being used for it, using people for it, breaking the marriage covenant, watching a distorted view of it, and maybe that's where you are right now, today. And today we're going to talk about how wisdom and sex go together. 
Now, from the first week of this series, remember we said, if you weren't here, wisdom is just skill. So wisdom is having the skill to see how the world works and being able to navigate through it. And Solomon is the writer that we're looking at what he has to say in the Old Testament book of Proverbs about wisdom. And today we're going to look at a section of scripture where Solomon is talking to a group of young guys, but it applies to everybody. And what he's saying is when it comes to sex, what you need is skill. Now, not that kind of skill. He's not talking about the act of skill. He's talking about you need skill to be able to navigate through a world that holds up this very distorted view of sex and sexuality, a world that uses it for control, for money, for quenching every possible imaginable thirst. And if you don't think we live in a world that has a distorted view of sex, just look at the stats. The youngest age where kids are now viewing porn, 11. The age in which they start to seek it out. This is more for boys than girls, but still some girls deal with it the same way. The age when they really start to seek it out is around age 14. And the age of the first sexual encounter of some kind is getting younger and younger and younger. Of all things searched for on the internet, whether it's directions or recipes or any kind of other information, 25% of all internet searches have to do with porn. If you look at sex just on cable, not cable TV, just network television, you can just pick it up with an antenna. There's three times more sex displayed between unmarried couples than married couples. The book 50 Shades of Grey, which is total trash, sold 70 million copies in 10 months. By contrast, The Hunger Games sold 30 million over four years. So does our culture have a problem with distorting what sex is supposed to be about? The answer is yes, it does. The editor of Esquire magazine a couple of years ago was in a press conference and he was asked by a reporter, why do you depict women in a way that objectifies them? And here was his response. The women we feature in the magazine are ornamental. I could lie to you if you want and say we're interested in their brains as well. We're not. They are objectified. I mean, at least he's being honest and saying, oh no. We don't care about how she feels. We don't care about what it took for her to look like that. We don't care about her relationally. We just want her to look really good so we can take pictures, airbrush them if we have to, show as much as we can to get as many copies sold. That's what we want women for. He admitted it, and people still go out and buy the magazine. So does our world, our culture have a, a distorted view of sex? Yes. Our culture is saying commitmentless sex is okay. Do it. Go for it. And Solomon, in the section today where he's talking to young people about sex, he's going to say, look, there's two paths when it comes to sex. You can go down one path, and it's going to lead to one destination. You can go down another path, and it's going to lead somewhere completely different. And what you have to decide is, which path am I walking? Which one am I going to decide to walk? And he starts out the story like this. For the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she's a bitter poison, as dangerous as a double-edged sword. 
What he's saying is, son, it might look good at first, but it's not where you want to end up. She'll guide you down the wrong path every time. And then he goes on to talk to them about, here's what happens, folks, when you take this God-given desire that's put in each of us, and you don't connect the future with your current decisions, and you walk in the wrong direction in regards to sex. So he tells them his story to help them understand it, because you know they're not going to not do it just because he says, hey, don't do that. That just arouses the desire and makes them say, okay, that sounds like a lot of fun. I think I do. So he tells them a story. He says in Proverbs 7, while I was at the window of my house, looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men and one in particular who lacked common sense. What he says is, I saw this bunch of naive young guys and this one guy that was really stupid. (laughs) And he refers to them as naive because I'm not trying to be offensive if you're young, but you're naive. You don't have good judgment. Good judgment doesn't just appear in your brain. Good judgment is learned. Good judgment is taught, and it comes through experience. In fact, it's scientifically proven that the frontal lobe of the brain doesn't fully develop until you're around 25 years old or older. That's why young people do stupid things. Now, I know I'm giving the teenagers you know, a little bit of ammo to say, mom, look, my, my frontal lobe hasn't developed. I, I, I don't know why that happened. You know, I'm just still on the developing phase. But that's why young people do things that don't make sense. Why they take these great risks that, that the rest of us stopped doing at some point because it started to hurt or we got harder to get out of bed or we started to realize, well, if I do that again, those are pretty big consequences. I don't think I want to live through that again. That's because the reasoning parts of our brain have developed. Young people, it hasn't fully developed yet. So kids, you want to score some points with parents. You want them to shower you with gifts. Just let them know that you understand that you need to connect your current decisions to the future benefits you want to have in life, and you understand how those current decisions also affect the consequences you're going to have to deal with in life. Tell your parents that, and they're going to go, we love you. You've arrived. It's wonderful. What can we buy you for that? Please. He goes on to say, he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. You see where this is headed group of naive guys, one of them particularly not very bright. He's going down the street by this immoral woman that he's already been told, don't go near her. Her lips are sweet. Her talk is smooth as oil. Don't go near her. It's bad. But yet he walks down the street and you can kind of hear the Jaws music playing. Da-dum, da-dum. You know, he gets closer and closer and closer. And Solomon says, the woman approached him, seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She's often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. So what he's describing for this one young man is, there's your bros and here's a hoe. And you gotta be careful. That's what she is. She's not a prostitute. She's what the Bible calls a whore. She's standing on the street corner looking for men to have sex with. And Solomon is saying, I saw these kids go down and this one guy, man, he was reeled in. She pulled him in for the kill and it says she threw her arms around him and kissed him and with a brazen look she said, I've just made my peace offering and fulfilled my vows. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you and you're here. 
She's saying, hey, I've, I've been to her, I've been to church, I've been to worship. And in the system she was in, the belief would have been, I'm going to take my bucket of sins to the religious leaders, to the priests, and I'm going to dump them all out there and clean it all out so I'm clean and I'm good to go again. And then she leaves and she finds this guy and says, my bucket of sin is empty and I want to fill it up with you. You're the one. I came out of here just for you. She made him feel special. She made him feel like, hey, she really wants me. Why do people make stupid sexual decisions and mistakes? Because they want to feel special. And I, I've sat with men who are either on the edge or have made a horrible decision in their marriage and had an affair. And in almost every story, every one, I just wanted to feel special. And she talked to me. She complimented me. And I, we had conversation like I didn't have with my wife. And one thing led to another. They didn't get into it saying, I want to have sex with her. They just started a conversation. They started to feel special. Same thing for women. Why are they pulled away from their husband and have affairs? Because somebody made them feel special. Because somebody made them feel valued. Because somebody listened. And you can see stories of actresses that have left the porn industry and they don't say, oh, I was in it because I wanted to have sex often and a lot and I wanted people to film it. They don't say that. They say, I just wanted to feel valued. I just wanted to feel special. I just wanted to feel something. So she's saying to this young man, I, I just, I, you're the one. I want you to know that I'm here just for you. She says, my bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not at home. He's away on a long trip. And by the time this kid is down there, he's like, if my buddies could see me now, oh my gosh. He's like, I wish I could Instagram this or something. That's a big deal. She wants me. No consequences. Her husband's gone. I can hang out and have breakfast and read the newspaper. He's not coming home for a long time. He gets excited and he's starting to lose the connection between the moment he's feeling good and valued and like, hey, this is a great idea with where the path will lead. Solomon says he followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So he thought it was, hey, it's one night of fun with this married, experienced woman. Hey, I need to try it out. Why not? So he thought it was just one decision. He maybe even felt like, well, I deserve this. I mean, she wants me. And you may feel like you deserve to have release by, by looking at porn, by flirting, by connecting with old flames, by having conversations you shouldn't have. But you're really, if you listen to Solomon, what he's saying you're really doing is you're walking down a path that has one destination. It could cost you your very life. And at the same time, you're maybe dealing with temptation. The culture's saying, do it, go for it, do it, without saying, do it, but man, it's going to cost you. No, the culture's saying, just do it. Just go for it. You can say, I'm just looking all you want. Oh, just pictures. I'm just looking at it. You know, enough studies are out now, non-Christian, scientific, university studies that have concluded that looking at porn, especially for males, 
When they spend time looking at porn, it's like a drug. They gotta look at harder and harder and harder and more violent and harder and harder porn. You know why? Because what porn does, it rewires your brain to think differently about sex. And so the dopamine levels go really, really high in your brain until it gets to the point where you can't even enjoy sex with a real live woman because you would prefer, hey, I want it like this. Because see, that's not reality. That's actors. That's a distorted view. Is it just a look? Is it, is it just a flirt? Is it just, oh, we just flirt. Not a big deal. Now, here are the stats. 17% of marriages end in divorce due to affairs. And the lowest number of infidelity numbers that I could find was that 30% of marriages have one or both partners sleeping with somebody else, men being significantly higher than women who are cheating. So is it just a flirt? Oh, kids will be kids. Of course, sex happens earlier. They have more access to things than we did growing up. So they'll just be kids. When our girls were younger, they never got to go on a field trip with school without, mostly it was my wife because they're girls. And and they, they didn't like it all the time. But what they didn't know is parents were saying things to us like, oh, kids will be kids. Oh, they'll sneak in each other's rooms and they'll sneak some alcohol. Yeah, that'll just happen. I'm like, you're a fool, and you're not going to watch my kid. My wife's going to go make sure nothing happens. Because they were just, oh, kids will be kids. Really? Kids will just be kids? Wall Street Journal had an article a while back that talked about infidelity among 20-somethings. And it said this, infidelity is becoming more common among people under 30. Many experts believe this increase in cheating is due to greater opportunity to connect with each other, and young people developing the habit of having multiple sexual partners before they get married. So multiple sexual partners before marriage means when you commit to one person for life, and then you're just with one person, when you've had all these other people, it's like, eh, one person, not that exciting. It totally rewires and distorts your view of the way sex should work in the context of marriage. So it's not just a look. It's not just kids being kids. There are long-term consequences that affect you long after you've gotten up out of the bed, long after you've crawled out of the back seat of the car. There are consequences that will continue in your life. And clearly, Solomon's not picking on women here. He's talking to guys, so he's using the example of a woman. He also calls wisdom a woman. So he's not just trying to be down on women. He's just using her as an example of what an unwise, unhealthy, ungodly view of sex really is. And here's how Solomon ends this story. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. I mean, he's, he's putting it out there pretty graphic. Look, you're not special. You think you're different. You think you're special. No, many people have been to that street corner. She's told many guys, oh, it was just you I'm looking for. You think you're special? You're not. She's just out to destroy you. So how do we develop the skill of living when it, be, when it, be, when it comes to how do we handle sex in our culture? How do we develop a skill to navigate through that? First one, get wisdom. Solomon says, Though it costs all that you have, get wisdom. Make sure you get it. When you're getting that wisdom, primarily start with God's word, but talk to other people. You will not find anybody that would say, 
hey, you know, I, I gave it up before marriage is the best decision I ever made. I had multiple sexual partners. Best decision I ever made. Got me ready for marriage. Got me ready for life. No regrets. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody's going to say, I spent five years addicted to porn and affected every relationship around me in a positive way, so I encourage you too. Nobody's going to say that. Nobody is going to say, hey, having that affair was the best decision I ever made in my life. That's not what you're going to hear. So get wisdom. Learn from other people's mistakes. That's the best way to learn. Watch what other people do when they make mistakes and don't do that. So get wisdom. Next one is resist the first impulse. So decide before you get there. So Solomon didn't say, hey, son, when you get there and you're sitting on the bed and you're smelling that myrrh, like, be careful, okay? Because something could happen. He's saying, get away from her. Don't go down the street. Stay as far away as you possibly can. Make the decision before you get there. Make the decision before you're ever in the bedroom, before you're ever in the back seat, before you're ever on the couch. Don't step up to the plate. Because once there at the plate... You know what your body's designed to do? Home run. This is your body's made to do. It's the way God made it. Don't even pick up the bat. Stay away. Don't even go in the stadium. Just pass it by and say, one day I'm going to get to play in there, and man, it's going to be great. Because when you feel like, I, I just can't resist, I can't resist, fast forward the story. If you're married, fast forward the story of what you're going to tell your wife, what you're going to tell your husband. Fast forward the story of how much the divorce is going to cost you and where the kids are going to have Christmas dinner and who's going to go to whose house first. Fast forward the story when there's another man or another woman helping raise your kids. Fast forward that story. Maybe that'll help resist the first impulse. Fast forward to feeling like you were just used and abused. Fast forward to sitting in an abortion clinic with someone who dares call themselves a doctor helping you get rid of a problem that might, something might happen right there that's going to affect you for the rest of your life. So resist the first impulse. Third thing to do if you want to walk with wisdom in regards to sex, drink from your own well. That's what Solomon says. He's giving his son a picture of what sex, uh, what sex and marriage looks like between a man and a woman. He says, drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs into the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. So if you're married, I'm married, I have a well. It's my well. It's mine. You can't have it. It's like if you try to come near it, I'll punch you in the face because it's mine. And God designed it that way for me to have my well. And guys, those of you that are married, you've got your own well. And what Solomon is saying is, drink from your well. You've got your own. Don't share it with anybody. That's gross. <laughs> drink from your own well. God gave you one. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy sex. He's actually saying, enjoy sex. That's in the Bible. There's a great piece of advice about sex. Enjoy it. He goes on to say it like this. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. I just read that in church. <laughs> May you always be captivated by her love. He's saying, enjoy the well you've been given. Drink from your own well. 
and it's going to be great. Don't share it when you do it the right way. It's this almost supernatural experience, experiencing the way God intended. And he's not just talking about procreation here. He's talking about bow chicka wow wow, you know, have some fun. <laughs> Enjoy yourselves. Now, for some of you, that means you have to wait. That means you got to wait to get to have your own well, and you got to wait to enjoy those breasts that he's talking about. You got to wait. I almost didn't say that, but I thought I'm going to say it. You got to wait. Now, what, what if you're thinking, well, I can't wait. I, wait. I mean, I got to wait. What am I supposed to do? Run a marathon, work extra hours, do something that's going to occupy your mind and wear you out to where you don't have any time to think about sex. You're just doing something else because one day when you find that special person and you exchange vows, it's not your experience that's going to make a marriage stronger. It's your innocence. And you might think, well, we got to try it out. How do we know if we like it? How do we know how to do it? You'll figure it out. You will fi- God, made, the, the God made it to fit together. He made our bodies in a way that's supposed to work. So you got a lifetime. If you're married, figure it out. May take a while, some are quicker, some are slower, but you'll figure it out. God, girls, let me listen to this. If you're, if you're a young girl, teenager, on up, if you're, if you're a single lady and you're dating a guy that's pressuring you to have sex or do sexual things, dump him. Break up with him. Yeah, I mean, text in church right now and say, we're done. My pastor just said to break up with you and give him my email address. Dump him. Now, guys, if you have a girl pressuring you, I know you're like, oh, that happens, you know. <laughs> if, if that's happening, do the same thing. Say, I want to honor the woman that I choose to spend the rest of my life with. And I'm not going to mess up with you. Get rid of her. Just, if you think they care about you, you're wrong. If you think he cares about you, you're wrong. He doesn't. He might tell you you're special just like that lady told this young man, oh, you're special. I came here just for you. And he might say you're special, but you're not to him. So get out of the relationship as fast as you can. Wisdom is having the skill to see how the world works and being able to navigate through it. And it might be better off for you to navigate through it single until you find that person that's going to treat you with the godly respect that every person deserves. A person that won't lead you down that path. Now, I knew when I put this message together that I was going to be saying some things. I was like debating, should I say this, should I not? Because the reality is many of you, when I say these words about pornography or affairs or giving it up before you're married or doing it in the wrong way, when I say that, they sting and they hurt because you messed up, because you had the affair, or maybe you're right on the edge and you're about to do it because you gave it up at the wrong time in the wrong way. And when I say those words, you think, oh, that hurts. You just reminded me of a stupid decision that I made. So I had a choice. Do I spare you those feelings and not talk to people who have not yet made the mistake? And I chose to first talk to the people who have not yet made the mistake and say, don't walk down that path. And for those of you that have walked down that path and you feel the pain and you feel the regret, you need to know that everybody messes up. Everybody makes mistakes, and you need to read what Jesus does with people who have made mistakes. You know what Jesus does with people who have made mistakes? He holds them up and he forgives them. One of the episodes in Jesus' ministry, he was just out in the street 
They bring this woman out who'd been sleeping with someone. They caught her in the act of sex. They threw her at Jesus' feet. They had stones and they said, Jesus, the law says to stone her, to kill her for what she's done. And he said, okay, well, those of you that haven't sinned, have at it. Go ahead and execute her. And I'm sure that day you could have heard the thud of rocks hitting the ground because nobody could say, well, I'm sinless, so I will kill her. Nobody. They all left. And Jesus looked at this broken, messed up, walking down the wrong path woman, and he says, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And he says, well, I don't accuse you either. But go and leave your life of sin. So he took this woman who had looked for identity and sex and felt valued because of her multiple sexual partners. He took her and showed her, you're not, you're not important because you do that. You're not special because you, you're special because I made you. And yeah, you've made mistakes, but you know what I want to do? I want to restore your purity. I want to restore your marriage. I want to restore and put you back so you feel sinless in front of me. That's what I want to do for you. So if, if today stung for you because you've done or you're doing everything contrary to what Solomon is trying to tell us, know that forgiveness awaits all who approach Jesus and you don't have to walk through life with stain on you, with sin on you because of what he did. But I wouldn't spare you feeling that to not warn everybody else. Don't go down that path. Stay away from it. Young ladies, single young ladies, if you, if you want to have enjoyable, fulfilling, life-giving, sexual activity in your life, it only comes at the way God designed it. Because if you want to feel valued, I know a place you can go 100% of the time and be valued, and that's to God himself. You don't have to give it up to a guy to feel value and worth. Your self-esteem, guys, doesn't come from your conquests or how many girls you can get in bed with. It doesn't come from watching sex on a screen on demand. It should come from the God who loves you and created you to be somebody's prince. And that's what God wants for each of us. And that's the path of wisdom when it comes to sex. I didn't hear this message when I was a teenager. I didn't get the chance to say, do I walk this way or that way? Maybe you didn't either. But for those of you, you now have the chance to walk the right path when it comes to our sexuality. And may you do that. Let's pray. God, thank you for this challenge that comes from a book that's thousands of years old but still speaks to us right where we are today. Father, may you let the people who have made mistakes with sex feel your forgiveness and feel the way you make them pure and whole and blameless again through your son. And God, may today be a reminder of the path you would have us walk. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.